Smith will keep it. He dies for the end zone. He's got a touchdown. Kansas City in one of the greatest comebacks in Chiefs Kingdom history. It's time. Live in the entertainment capital of the world. Car out of the shotgun. Looks left. Throws a lob for Michael Crabtree. Caught it. He caught it. He caught it. The Raiders have the lead. <laughs> It's the T.C. Martin Show. Sweet revenge for Michael Crabtree. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. I needed that. Starting to feel like football now. Hey, that was a good start. Hey, that was a good start. We're going to finish for you, all right? The doctor is now in. In a good Tuesday afternoon to you, T.C. Martin, here we go. It is game six of the World Series tonight. Astros and the Braves after a travel day yesterday. We get into that. Deep dive, of course, with our good friend Steve Sachs, who will join us, the two-time World Series champ, the five-time All-Star, as going back to Houston. And I'm here. But that's okay. I've calmed down a little bit. Get the... Anxiety out, not being in Houston tonight, but hey, had to be here. So we'll talk uh, to Steve Sachs. We'll talk World Series, Game 6. Will there be a Game 7 tomorrow? We will see. We'll talk about the pitching matchups, the hitters. We'll go all into that with Saxy and have plenty of thoughts uh, regarding that. On the NFL side, Steve Berline will going to join us today. We've got the Steve and Steve show today. You like that? We've got Sachs. We've got Berline. Uh, Steve Berline, of course, great job with CBS. And we will talk with him regarding last night's game, the Kansas City Chiefs coming from behind to beat the New York Giants in a game that a lot of people thought, wow, the, the Chiefs were going to get right in this game. I was one of those. Thought they would win by double digits. Uh, furthest thing from the truth there as the Chiefs struggled big time last night and uh, got a last-second field goal from Harrison Butker, and the Chiefs win by three. But a lot of question marks regarding the Chiefs, a lot of question marks regarding Patrick Mahomes and everything else that's going on. NFL trade deadline has come and gone right now. Uh, Not a whole bunch of movement, but we'll get you updated with all that. So we've got that. Whole lot more coming your way. Chuck Esposito will join us from Sunset Station next hour as well, too. But the the biggest news here, the breaking news, uh, earlier today we got word that Henry Ruggs was involved in an automobile accident this morning. He was driving his uh, Chevrolet Corvette when he crashed into a Toyota RAV4 at approximately 3.39 this morning near Rainbow and Spring Valley. I just came from that area right now, and Rainbow is still blocked off uh, from that area on. Uh, it's about uh, a mile and a half uh, struck, um, you know, highway there on, on Rainbow that is blocked off. So I'm going crazy trying to get here you know, on time today. But uh, this happened at 3.39 uh, this morning, and uh, there's still... You know, uh, have police on the scene, investigators on the scene, and uh, some details of the accident. The uh, RAV4 caught fire, and a person in the car was pronounced dead when police arrived. Uh, Ruggs was transported to the hospital. He had some non-life-threatening injuries, uh, but was visibly impaired. He was charged with driving under the influence, resulting in death. 
Uh, unclear if there were drugs or alcohol involved with Henry Ruggs. Uh, he was actually spotted at Top Golf last night. So if we put two and two together, and we don't want to speculate in a very serious story like this, uh, if he was out late, he was drinking. Obviously, he was out late, you know, driving at three uh, thirty nine uh, in in the morning. So um, we actually have audio from the police dispatch that uh, happened shortly thereafter. I just want to make sure you guys copy that there might be someone still inside the vehicle that's on fire. I got your rescue added in the heavy also. Let me know if you need something else. Engine 22 is on scene. Establishing Rainbow Command. As reported, we do have one vehicle that's on fire, fully involved. Another vehicle that's also involved in the accident not on fire. Looks like we have two people sitting on the sidewalk. Break dispatch. Go ahead and uh, start the second ambulance, please. Yes, sir, we see that the uh, call got changed to an alpha. Are we still responding to this call? Yeah, it's affirmative. The alpha unconscious, you guys still respond. Fresh 32, copy. All right, that is the police uh, dispatch right there. 3.39 this morning, uh, two-car accident, one car driven by Henry Ruggs, the Raiders' wide receiver, uh, a fatality of uh, the other person driving uh, the car was was a Toyota RAV4, uh, caught fire, uh, pronounced dead uh, on the scene when police arrived. The Raiders, uh, not having really much to say at this point in time, but they did uh, have a release that came out a couple hours ago. It reads as follows. The Raiders are aware of an accident involving Henry Ruggs III that occurred this morning in Las Vegas. We are devastated by the loss of life. Our thoughts and prayers go out to the victim's family. We're in the process of gathering information and we'll have no further comment at this time. All right, so obviously a developing story. We got the news early this morning. Um, you know, locally here, um, before ESPN, NFL Network, uh, anyone had it. And uh, one of the uh, people that... Uh, who drove by this scene earlier on this morning uh, was on this is our good friend Heidi Fang from the Las Vegas Review Journal who covers uh, the Raiders and normally of course we have Heidi on uh, during the course of our show and we have a lot of fun but uh, this is a very serious nature here and actually Heidi is at the jail right now the Clark County Jail we just hope Heidi you are not in jail you're on the outside looking in yeah, unfortunately, in this case, uh, you know, I have to be here in front of the jail today. Uh, like you said, there's lots of life there, uh, lots of just heavy feelings today over the entire situation. Um, currently standing outside a booking on the back side of the jail uh, in the event that Henry Ruggs is brought in for booking now uh, because he did sustain injury in the crash. He would uh, be at the hospital right now, as far as I understand. He's at UMC here. Um, nearby. So if he does get released today, he will be brought in for booking. So that'll give us an idea more of the timeline of how things will go down should he be brought in. So the hence, that's why I'm uh, out here doing the stalking. It's the ugly part of the job, but somebody has to do it, CC. Oh, I know. We appreciate you doing it. I know that, you know, again, we all, uh, 
you know, have plans during the course of the day and everything. And this is part of, of what happens, you know, when you do what we do here, whether it's radio or television or print journalism, uh, you know, again, when you're covering teams or covering sports and things like this happen, then uh, you just have to quickly uh, adapt here. And I know that today is a big day. You know, it's fight week and we're talking a lot about, you know, uh, Canelo Alvarez and Caleb Plant. Uh, squaring off this weekend, Saturday night at the MGM Grand. And you actually, your original plan today was actually to be at the MGM Grand for the arrivals of the fighters, right? And all of a sudden now, you had to take a U-turn, and, and, and now you're downtown. Pivot on a divot. Yeah. That's what they say, right? you gotta got to move, PTC, you know. So, yeah, it was my original plan today. I had uh, thought, you know, wow, this is going to be a great fight card. I'm excited to get out there, start a fight week. You know how I am. I love yeah. fight week, man. So I was ready to roll, but uh, yeah, this obviously takes precedent. It's not just a big news, uh, you know, sports story. It's a big news story. So uh, I had to come out, see, uh, you know, what we could find out out here. And uh, sorry, somebody being brought in right now. I'm just kind of looking. I can't make it out. But uh, yeah, uh, it's just constantly kind of looking through. Unfortunately, I feel bad doing this, you know. But no, no, like, no, no, no. Like no. I said, it's part of the job. This, hey, this is this is this is live radio, and we appreciate you taking the time because I know normally you would not do this, but you are taking the time, and we realize that uh, you're going to have to be gone in a drop of a dime if uh, they do bring <laughs> Henry Ruggs in. We under, yeah. we understand that, so no worries. But Heidi, just kind of let's let's backtrack a little bit of the story when you got the news, and I know that you uh, actually drove by the scene, and you actually. Uh, saw the two vehicles, right? So let's let's go back in time to your morning this morning and, and how you got uh, the news, and then we'll pr- proceed from there. Sure, yeah. I mean, actually, I got a tip from somebody in the city who happens to know me, and um, they let us know in, uh, in a text that it was a possibility that there was an accident involving rugs, and at the time I didn't know how severe. And I said, well, what street? And so I got the street. Next thing you know, I'm on Twitter and I see a local um, out there writing about it, and I happen to know that local as well. So I uh, called up all the big dogs. I woke them all up. Woke up all the big dogs at about, I don't know, 8.20 or so this morning when I was hearing the news. and said, we got to look into this. we got to get on this, uh, figure out if it really is, in fact, rugs or not. And it was hard to tell at first because when I did see the first um, initial image on Twitter, you couldn't really tell if it was his Corvette. Um, and the reason being is he has a um, custom paint job on that bad boy. You know, it's a, a, a green, but uh, it had like some sort of a uh, like a decal or something on it. But these days they do make a lot of wraps. I wouldn't expect like rugs really to have a wrap on the car but it was possible so it could have been like one of those things you change over time my cousin likes to do all those wraps on his car um but yeah it's uh one of those things where you know first it's speculative and you're just trying to figure out and and see if it is in fact true before you know you go on and and listen to anything tmz does and like you know tmz has people everywhere but i i don't like just retweeting a story like that i want to find out for myself so like you said i drove down there um, yeah, the vehicles were there, uh, really rough scene. It spanned, like you said earlier on in the open, the whole street, about a mile and a half was blocked off from Tropicana to, I, I, I want to say almost Flamingo right mm-hmm. there by Spring Valley. Um, right. so it, it's a pretty decent sized stretch of road that everybody is aware of. 
and I, I saw cones going over the brick wall. And I thought, oh, my God, if somebody was in that car, and um, I don't want to predict or assume or, you know, right. speculate whose car it was, but it looked like somebody's car had rode through, like, the bricks for a while before coming into the street and then hitting the other vehicle. Just, you know, if I'm following trajectory of cones, but I don't want to speculate again on anything like that. But it, you could just tell by the amount of evidence markers, the amount of debris. There's debris everywhere. Uh, it was a rough scene, TC. So, again, we, we don't want to speculate, but just kind of just so we get a little bit better vision here. So we know, like I said, I, I yeah. come, there's Rainbow is still closed today during that stretch. And I was a little bit yeah. surprised that here just before 2 o'clock that, uh, that that was still closed. And you were there earlier this morning when we got word that this actually right. happened approximately you know, 3.39 yeah. a.m. So, Heidi, do we know... Which way these vehicles were going? Were they going down Rainbow? Was it north, south? Any idea with that? Yeah, I would assume that they were heading south, um, just based on what I saw. I would assume. Um, again, like two cars going in the same direction, and- you think, or one, uh, uh, you know, uh, coming at each other, or were they both going in the same direction? Do you think? Both. I think both the same direction. I think oh. it could have been also possible that one was on the opposite side, lost control, turned around, spun out, and hit the other car. Hmm. That's yeah. if I'm going to speculate. Yeah. I think that's a possibility based on what I saw with the cones. The trajectories. Um, I'm not a forensic, you know, scientist. I'm not an investigator of crime scenes. I'm just going by my own right. visual instinct of what I saw, and right. it would appear to me that like someone lost control. Could have been on the other side of the road. That was my first inkling that it was on the northbound side, and that it spun out, turned into the southbound side, and then hit the same direction because you see the RAV4 car um, and the reports that Metro put out says that it got hit from behind by the Corvette and you could see the head-on damage on the um, on the Corvette obviously the front end is all um, smashed to bits and after seeing the Corvette man you really think okay he was impaired according to the report as well Ruggs was impaired mm-hmm. but when you see the damage on the front of that vehicle and you think that Ruggs walked out with minor injuries he's lucky to be alive yeah yeah Heidi Fang and he's going to have to face a whole world of pain next yeah. a whole world of pain yeah Heidi Fang joins us as she is actually at the Clark County Jail downtown. She drove by the scene earlier today. Henry Ruggs III, Raiders wide receiver, involved in an automobile accident early this morning, back at 3.39 this morning, and a crash into a Toyota RAV4 and uh, causing death to, we uh, assume, the driver of the RAV4. It sounded like only one person was in that vehicle. I know that uh, everyone, you know, earlier on today was very hesitant to say, they just said a person was deceased when police arrived, but uh, it, it had to be the driver of that vehicle, it sounds like, because um, we're not hearing about anybody else being involved either in Ruggs's car right, or, right. or the RAV4 car, correct? Right. But here's what's crazy to me that I haven't quite figured out yet um, what this means is that there was a, a re- witness report that says a woman was saying things like, uh, there's somebody in there, they're on fire, so uh, get them out, they need help. And that was from a witness report. So I'm not sure yet if that was 
uh, you know, a bystander that came by to try to help, or if it was another person, perhaps with one of you know these people that hasn't been named yet. I don't know, but uh, obviously, if they were involved and they had sustained injury of some sort, or, you know, they were a uh, direct eyewitness to all of this. I'm sure it would have been, you know, said already. But it was, um, I found it interesting that we had done some interviews of our own. We've had reporters out all day um, trying to get witness accounts on what happened. And one of those uh, witnesses said that it sounded like there was a woman saying, help, you know, we need help. There's people on fire here. So I don't know where that came from. Okay. Or, you know, that's one part of the report that's a little curious to me. Okay. So it seems like we, we got reports that there was a female passenger in Ruggs's car. She was actually. There you go. Yeah. yeah so that's what we're in. So go. that would probably add up to who was uh, saying that. So, and again, Heidi, it just, again, we don't want to, you know, uh, uh, assume too much, but he, he, here's the facts. I mean, here's Henry Ruggs, a wide receiver. He is out late last night. Uh, people said that he was spotted at Top Golf late last night. Uh, yep. DUI to be out that late, and the damage that you witnessed with these vehicles just has to tell you how fast that Henry Ruggs is probably driving his car. Yeah, um, the the car is. Okay, I want to say that that stretch of road is like a 40-mile-an-hour, maybe 45 at max um, street. I don't drive down Rainbow that often. Well, 40 in the morning, that, too. It's It's got to be pretty pretty desolated, too. Yeah, but, I mean, the way that the street is, it's like an expressway. Hmm. So you could, um, you could really um, just go out there and, you know, do as fast, I guess, as you want between the two stoplights. It's about, you know, one mile, like we said, between them. You know, but, I, you know, the idea is that it's a 40 to 45 mile an hour speed zone. And um, when you think about how fast it could have been going, I mean, if all those lights were green and he's on that strange stretch of road, it's flat, you know, no traffic, like you said, probably. It, he could have been, you know, going 80. Mm-hmm. There's a road by my house. It's like curvy. And it's supposed to be 25. Nobody goes 25, and I'm constantly dodging people driving on the opposite side of the road. So, like, that, you know, just take the turn too quick kind of thing or that turn into my street and and cut the corner so quick, you know, and and they're coming in. So it happens a lot, you know, around the residential neighborhoods, and it's just a memo to everybody to take a step back, go a little slower, give yourself the extra time, that kind of stuff, you know. So it's Rainbow in the nearest cross street, we believe? Uh, the nearest cross street would have been Trop, yeah. Yeah, okay, Rainbow and Trop, yeah. All right, mm-hmm. uh, Heidi Fang uh, joins us. Uh, she is outside of the jail uh, downtown Clark County Detention Center uh, awaiting, from what we understand, of Henry Ruggs. He is currently at UMC in the hospital. They said uh, non-life-threatening uh, injuries. And like you said, Heidi, looking at that car, I mean, that he is lucky to be alive. But unfortunately, uh, there is another person who uh, did not make it and uh, is, is deceased. And that is the sad part here. Uh, you know, this is a player. This is a Raiders player, one of their better players. And, you know, we read the Raiders statement, you know, earlier today. And I think they're taking a smart approach here, too, by, you know, just saying they're aware of the accident involving Henry Ruggs. But uh, 
you know, they're still in the process of gathering all the information and don't, and have no further comment at this time. Have you heard or talked to anyone within the Raiders organization where you have any more information or their thoughts about the matter? Unfortunately, no. We did text out to some people that we know, you know, that we have relationships with and all. I think every person that um, we spoke with, uh, you know, hasn't really reached back out for comment. The only statement that we have right now is from um, the Raiders. I mean, you know, what they sent out to everybody in media. So, uh, yeah, that's pretty much all that we've had heard from, from this point. But I assume tomorrow when practice resumes, uh, you know, Derek Carr, man, he's been put on the spot in some real tough situations, and I'm pretty sure he'll be put in that situation again tomorrow to speak on behalf of the team. Uh, he is the face right now of this franchise, and he's going to most likely uh, do his media availability tomorrow and be asked some real tough questions. Yeah, Rick Basaccio will also uh, uh, be yeah. talk- talking. Of course, Derek Carr, like said, the face of the franchise. And uh, you never know. We may even hear from uh, Mike Mayock or Mark Davis tomorrow as, as well, too. And as far as you know, being in charge of the organization, we'll have to wait and see. Um, when we look at the severity of this, uh, when you're talking about a DUI, that's always serious. But then when you have the result of death or bodily injury here uh, in Nevada, it's a class B felony to drive under the influence of alcohol or, or drugs and, and, and cause someone to suffer bodily injury or death. Uh, those penalties include uh, two to twenty years in prison, fines ranging from two thousand to five thousand uh, dollars. Your driver's license will be suspended for at least three years. And again, we don't have all of the details here. Uh, we know that Henry Ruggs' uh, attorney spoke out uh, earlier, and the same attorney that you mentioned earlier about Josh Jacobs, uh, David uh, uh, Chesnoff, released a statement earlier today as well. It reads, on behalf of our client Henry Ruggs. Uh, we are conducting our own investigation as of this writing and ask everyone to reserve judgment until the facts are gathered. So, uh, again, very, 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 very little that is being said and then and probably should be said at this point in time. The Raiders are coming off the bye week. Uh, so a lot of players, you know, left town for a good, you know, six or seven days. Uh, back in the building tomorrow, like you mentioned, will they'll have a short week of practice. A lot of times, Heidi, when you're coming off a bye week and you're going to play on the East Coast for your next game, uh, a lot of times the the teams will reconvene maybe a day earlier and have practice today. But as far as we know, the Raiders did not do that. I guess they are going to be. Um, you know, back at it for their first day since the bye week tomorrow. Is that confirmed? Uh, yeah, bye week tomorrow, first practice is tomorrow. So, yeah, yeah, that's uh, all that we're going to be going, you know, back on with it and we're going to see how everything works out. All right. All right. We appreciate the time. We'll let you get back and do your job. Uh, Again, gratefully appreciate you taking the time and and joining us uh, today. Again, uh, just part of, of one of those of the job that uh, a lot of times we don't like to to have to deal with, but uh, um, you're doing it and you're doing a fantastic job, and we'll look forward to more of your reporting, uh, whether it's uh, you know on camera or in the RJ uh, with writing. And we appreciate you taking the time, Heidi. Ray, appreciate you, man. Thank you for calling on me, and uh, yeah, I hope the Raider Nation out there. Mm-hmm. Stay strong. There you go. All right. Thanks, Heidi. All right. There she is, Heidi Fang. She's on the scene there at the outside of the Clark County Detention Center as Henry Ruggs 
is uh, going to be awaiting booking. So as soon as he is released from UMC, um, they will take him over to the jail and to to book him in. I imagine he will be uh, released uh, a little bit later, but a very long morning, long day, and could be a long evening for Henry Ruggs being involved in this automobile accident again. To recap everything that we know of, Henry Ruggs involved in this accident early this morning, driving his uh, Chevrolet Corvette uh, down Rainbow, nearest trop, uh, cross street uh, by Tropicana, crashed into a Toyota RAV4 at approximately 3.39 this morning. The RAV4 caught fire. Uh, the driver of that car was pronounced dead when uh, police arrived uh, earlier in this hour, we played you the um, police dispatch, um, and uh, you could hear how professional they were. They handled it uh, very, very, very calmly. And again, they're professionals. They deal with this on a regular basis. Uh, Henry Ruggs, non-life-threatening injuries, but was impaired. He has been charged with driving under the influence resulting in death. Uh, it's unclear if there were drugs or alcohol involved. But again, to be charged with DUI, there has to be something there. Uh, He is at UMC. Non-life-threatening injuries for him. But unfortunately, for the person that he hit, they have died. Uh, He was spotted at Top Golf last night. Uh, Again, Raiders not having practice uh, today. They've been off uh, during this past week uh, for their bye. And um, Henry Ruggs driving his vehicle, as we anticipate, at a very high speed early on this morning. All right, the Raiders, again, uh, they're released. The Raiders are aware of the the accident involving Henry Ruggs III that occurred this morning in Las Vegas. They said, we are very devastated by the loss of life, and our thoughts and prayers go out to the victim's family. Uh, We are in the process of gathering information, and we'll have no further comment at this time. So at this point in time... uh, Rainbow is still blocked off um, there between uh, Tropicana and, uh, and Spring Mountain. That is all blocked off still at this point in time. So if you're driving in that area, uh, try to avoid that because there are detours and police are still uh, veering people off uh, to the side streets if you're going in that direction. So again, uh, you know, uh, Rainbow is closed at this point in time. All right, so... Devastating news that has rocked the Raiders' world again. And a lot of people will say, what is it with this franchise? Um, This is just one of those things that happens um, to a person that made a a bad choice. Um, At this point in time, we don't have all the facts, but what we do know, you can piece together that Henry Ruggs was out late last night. Probably had some cocktails. We do not know about any drug use at all. But being out that late and driving at a very fast speed, bad things can happen. And unfortunately, uh, this is a a story now that's not just local. Uh, it's not just a sports story because it happened to a Raiders wide receiver. But there's a loss of life here. And this is a, a tragic story, a tragic local story. And now part of a tragic national story uh, as well, coming off the heels of a national tragic story with John Gruden. I'm not, not 
tragic in the sense there was not life lost. There was just a job lost by John Gruden for uh, emails that he was involved with, uh, with Bruce Allen from the Washington football team. And uh, it cost him his job. But therefore, it caused a lot of turmoil within the organization. It caused Mark Davis to release John Gruden from his contract. And having a circus-like atmosphere around the Raiders facility for at least a week thereafter, going back two weeks ago now. Actually, we're right exactly at the three-week mark. Three weeks ago today is when uh, Mark Davis let John Gruden go. And three weeks to the date, Henry Ruggs, their star-wide receiver, who was drafted by Mike Mayock and John Gruden three years ago, was in a very serious automobile accident that caused the death of another motorist. So uh, very, very sad news to hear about. We'll continue to follow the story. We'll continue to report on it. And appreciate Heidi Fang for joining us again, uh, part of our great team. And uh, she's out there on the scene uh, trying to gather more information from the Raiders' perspective. And then, again, she was uh, one of the first people in the media that got a chance to see the accident and seeing two cars that were basically totaled and, uh, unfortunately, a loss of life uh, as well. All right, when we come back, we'll start talking some sports. And uh, we turn our attention to the World Series tonight. Steve Sachs will join us as we get ready for Game 6 between the Braves and the Astros. Back to more nonstop sports talk with the Dr. T.C. Martin. But get ready for game number six. The series has shifted back to Houston. And our sharp-dressed man is the two-time World Series champ, the five-time All-Star. He's part of our team, Steve Sachs. What's going on, brother? Hey, I'm just uh, I'm just talking to a lot of people right now about this uh, postseason, man. A lot of good stuff going on. But you know what else is going on is my podcast, Sachs in the Morning. <laughs> Everybody needs to go and download Sacks in the Morning. Uh, we're giving away a lot of stuff right now. A lot of merchandise is there for free. You need to go do it, screenshot it, and tag it. And then we're going to pick some winners for some great merchandise. Sacks in the Morning merch. Great. Look at this. Uh, the self-promotion is fantastic. I, I love the self-promotion. Yeah. Sacks in the Morning podcast. Talk about it all the time. It's fantastic. Start your morning with the wisdom of Steve Sacks. And uh, plus, mm-hmm. he has great guests uh, every other Thursday as well, too. Great See, I, I know it. I know it. There is. Where you get your podcast, you go get Sacks in the Morning Sign Up for free. Right? That's it. Plain and simple. That's it. That's and win, and win yeah, some cool. Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your podcast, go get it. And get some cool swag while you're at it as well, too, right? We got some swag, brother. Oh. We got great tumblers. We got shirts, hats. We got some really good mugs. Our mugs are unbelievable. You got to get some, some sacks. Swag. Wow. Look, look at that. How about some dark shades like a sharp dressed man or some ZZ top beard? That's beers? not bad. How about that? That's not bad. Yeah. That's, that's, a, that's a pretty good thing, yeah. That's what yeah, you have so, me here for. Hey, listen, if, if, if you screenshot your sign up, we're going to pick winners, and we got a lot of winners to pick. So if you screenshot your sign up and then tag us on it, Chances are you're going to win some swag. I like that. All right, Numbchuck, you're all yeah. over that. Numbchuck's all over that like a hobo on a hot dog, you said. Oh, God. that's right. He's over there like a he's over there like Quake on a on a buffet. <laughs> 
How many seconds before we got the quake in there? Like a, That was probably, what, 95 seconds before we got quake in there? I think we might have got under 90. Yeah, I think we were probably about, yeah, exactly, uh, one minute and 13 seconds. But we would have been quicker uh, okay. if there wasn't so much self-promotion. Well, I know it. I, I, somebody's got to do it. But someone's got to do it. Exactly. Exactly. We understand. Yeah. There it is. How about MLB Network Radio? Are they giving you the love like the T.C. Martin show is? Oh, come on now. Uh, hey, 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 I'm getting a lot of love on this show, probably yeah. more than others. Yeah. Because you and I are know each other. We go back a long way, T.C. That's right. And that's, and that's, why, uh, that's why we're getting some love, yeah. more extra love. Here about what about sacks in the morning? Yeah, right. there it is. You love it. Exactly. There it is. There it is. Bingo. <laughs> oh, all right, buddy. So here we go, man. Game six tonight. I want to go back with you before we start talking about game six. I want to go back to game five and the way that thing started with the grand slam right. in the first inning by Adam Duvall. Are you surprised, Steve, that we are here right now, back in Houston for a game six? No, no, I'm not surprised. And you know, after the Freddie Freeman homer, uh, you know they've been outscored what nine to one exactly. Uh, exactly. Has. And so, look, uh, you know, Houston could score a lot of runs in a hurry. They could put up some crooked numbers like nobody's business. So um, you're going back to Houston now. You got Luis Garcia going on on the short rest. You got uh, a well rested Max Fried who really hasn't pitched that well. I mean, the Dodgers got to him. Houston got to him. So we'll see what happens now if he can do something different than he has in his last three starts, which haven't been that great ERA of well over five. Um, but he's a fine young pitcher, and he'll make adjustments, and you can imagine that that's going to happen with his game. So we'll see how this goes. But I'll tell you what, if it goes to game seven, I think I think the Astros are going to win it. So today's obviously the big one. Exactly. All right, so three games in Atlanta – the Braves playing in front of the raucous crowd. They win two out of three. They got a chance to close it out. The champagne's on ice. I'm sure the uh, clubhouse attendants are are starting to get the tarps out and everything in the clubhouse after it's four nothing like that. Mm-hmm. And then what what uh, what caught my eye, Steve, was the way the Braves left the field and their fans kind of left the stadium, knowing that that was their last home game. They're not going to see the Braves yeah. again until next year. There's no mm-hmm. salute, no staying ovation, like, hey, go get him. It was like they were shell-shocked here. I want to talk to you yeah. about the Braves' mindset as they left that field, mm-hmm. now having to pack up and travel to Houston. What is that like, leaving your home park where you thought – you were going to go celebration mode that night. Now you lost mm-hmm. it, and now you got to go back to the team that has a home field advantage for game six mm-hmm. and seven if necessary. What are those players' mindset like? Yeah, well, let me just get, uh, as a side note, that for the Atlanta fans, they may never see Freddie Freeman in a brave uniform again. Good that's point. That's a free agent. That's right. Um, I, don't think that, I don't think he's going to leave. I think the Braves are going to pay for it. They're going to pay more than they thought they had to. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's what you get when you wait for the last moment. The guy has a killer season and you get in postseason like that Braves have going down to the down to the bottom here on, on, on the World Series. So they're gonna have to pay a lot more for Freddie than they, they originally thought, but I think they're gonna pay it because he's that good. He's one of the best players in the game. Now shooting forward, uh looking at what's going on in today's game, uh, look, these guys are professionals. They they've been there, they've done this before. I don't think they're gonna be, you know, caught up in the moment. I think they're gonna be just fine um going back to Houston. This is a well, well coached, very professional team with some good experienced guys on there that have been there before. And I, I don't think they're going to get caught up in the moment, but there's going to be a little bit more incentive. I think there's going to be a little bit more jump in the step, if you will, for the, the Houston club and 
what they got to do is they got to get the middle of that order going, and they kind of did in a way. I mean, uh, Bram, you know, uh, Bregman got that big double to right center field that really did kind of help these guys along. Yuri Gurriel, the batting champion, you know, had a good night. You had, you had a lot of hits with two outs. They scored a lot of runs with two outs in Houston, and that's the mark of a championship team. So we'll see if they can continue that. Yep, and they did it again in Game 5, and they've done it uh, this entire postseason, scoring more runs than anybody else with two outs. Steve Sachs joins us to get ready for Game 6 tonight. All right, Steve, Game 6, advantage who? Oh, the advantage is, I think the advantage, even though Max Fried, their best pitcher, is going for Atlanta, I still think the advantage because of the shift in momentum that's already taken place in Atlanta uh, and coming back to the home park, I think I'd give a slight edge, not a lot, but a slight edge to Houston tonight. Um, with that being said, could it turn over to Atlanta and then they could give them a thumping? Yeah, that, that could happen. We've seen wild swings and momentum all the way from the, the, uh, the league championship series with the Dodgers uh, and the Braves going out of wide swings and momentum shifts. And so we can very well see that again tonight. There's, this is just a crazy game, but uh, nobody is going to be a perfectionist about pre- predicting what's going to go on because ba- baseball is not built that way. Baseball is too unpredictable. Mm-hmm. The pitchy matchup tonight, you mentioned Max Freed, who has been the Braves' ace all season long, but has not looked that way. Game two, he got battered around, uh, gave up five runs in, in the first two innings there. Uh, he went five innings, um, and, and when he left, uh, he was responsible for one more run there, so giving up six uh, total there. Uh, he has not been at his best. We saw the Dodgers bang him around in the, his last appearance in yep. the NLCS as well, too. He takes on mm-hmm. Luis Garcia, and we know that Garcia uh, you know, has, has been pretty solid, even though he's a youngster. I mean, in game three, he went three and two-thirds, six strikeouts, gave up three hits, one run, uh, lost that mm-hmm. game two to nothing. You go back to the NLCS, he was a 5 nothing winner over the Red Sox, where he was rock solid in five and two-thirds innings and had seven strikeouts right. there. Uh, three days rest, that's a little bit of a concern here. But you know what, Steve? We really haven't been talking too much about starting pitching. Advantage who tonight from the starting pitching perspective? Well, uh, on Luis Garcia, I will add, too, that he also had a game where he pitched eight innings and gave up only, what, three hits and Correct. was rock solid. But he has had a couple, a couple of outings now where they haven't been that well either. So right. it's, um, he's had some really good ones and some not-so-good ones. But I think if he had the advantage tonight, I think the advantage on the pitching side, of it, at least in the starting pitching, would probably have to go – um, to Max Freed. He's due to have a good one. His last three outings have not been that great. Max Freed, remember, since the All-Star break, has been the best pitcher in all of Major League Baseball. I mean, his ERA was about a buck seventy-five. He had an unbelievable finish to the season, but it hasn't been that way in postseason. Uh, albeit, I'll, I'll I, I will say that about Max Freed. The bullpen for Atlanta lately has not been that great. They got to Minter. Uh, they, they got to A.J. Minter a bit. Uh, and, and, and even Matic. So they got to these guys, the two great uh, powerhouse left-handers for the Atlanta Braves. That's where they really put it on the Dodgers. But, you know, the Astros got to them a little bit in the last game, and that was the difference maker was the bullpen. So we'll see how those two bullpens can match up. Yeah, I want to use you here from the hitter's perspective, okay? When you're facing these relievers as much as as these hitters mm-hmm. are, because, again, the starting pitching hasn't gone deep for either team, and we understand the Braves got into bullpen games, you know, uh, in games four and five. They set out to do that because they lost Charlie Morton. And, of course, you know, the Astros don't have McCullers. And, again, it's we've seen reliever after reliever. So from a hitter's perspective here, when you're seeing these relievers this much now, I mean, talk mm-hmm. about talk about the familiarity and how this is an advantage for the hitters. Yeah. 
That's a good point, TC. And, and because they are seeing the relievers more and more now, advantage starts to go over to the other side towards the hitters. Um, the whole theory being when you go with an, an opener or a bullpen game is the fact that hitters don't get a chance to see the same pitcher twice. They have one, uh, one pitcher one inning, another pitcher another inning, and it's hard to get a beat on the guy, you know, if they're just going to see him one time. But when you start seeing guys over and over again, you start to kind of figure them out a little bit. And, you know, the old adage of good pitching beats good hitting, that, that is mitigated uh, in a, a little bit when you start seeing the pitcher more and more. You know, back in the, in the older days when Joe, when, um, Joe DiMaggio won, had the, uh, the 56-game hitting streak, in 56 games that he had that hitting streak, he only faced 71 pitchers in the whole time of the 56-game hitting streak. Today, if you hit in 56 games, you would have faced 150 pitchers, you know, at least. Um, but, but back then, you know, it just goes to show you, you put 56 games together because you only faced 71 total pitchers. Um, the theory being, you know, you see guys enough, you can, you can barrel them up easier. And I think that's the whole point here when we're talking about the Houston Astros being able to see that, that, that line of bullpen a little more. Have you ever seen a World Series that has, has such little starting pitching? No, I, I haven't. And uh, this, is, this is the way they go now. Most, most teams are so, are so bullpen-centric that they'll, they'll you know, have not as much depth as the start in the starting pitching. They think it's actually cheaper to build a team this way, you know, build a, a great bullpen, uh, a couple of good starters, and then kind of average guys. Not a lot of depth in there. You don't have guys that can just come up and, and really have a viable chance to win. You, you have guys that can come up now and just maybe give you a couple innings. And it's, it's a bit of a difference than it used to be. All right, last thing before I let you go, because I know you got to get running here. Uh, you know, Dusty had talked about the lack of batting practice that they had because of those rainouts, and they even went yeah. they even went to Atlanta early, uh, going back to last Thursday morning to get a practice in. They couldn't get on the field. Tarp was on. That was the off day, and then no batting practice before game number uh, you know th- uh, mm-hmm. three four. And then five, they finally got that. How much of a big deal is that when you don't have any BP, plus you're going to a park where you haven't played in at all this year? Right. Uh, mm-hmm. How much of a factor was that? Um, for me personally, yeah. I like to hit on the field. I mean, I, I think it's good to hit on both. It's good to get warmed up, take some some soft toss, hit off the tee. I like to do all those things. It's part of a regimen that the hitters go through that, it, it kind of you know gets them in their groove and taking but infield too, it, it, right? For for infielders and out and, and that sort of thing too, just getting on the field and, and well, going through well, that. They, they don't they don't take they don't take formal infields anymore, but they right. take they take ground balls during batting practice. Right. They do that, right? right. Uh, but but the thing is, you got to be on the field. You got to get a sense of you know how the how it plays out. I know it's ninety feet and all that stuff. Yeah, I get that. But you know how the fans are. You know where what's the proximity to the fans. What are the what are what are the foul areas like? How far can you go to get a pop foul? You know things like that, and just to feel how the ball carries in the park, the background, your hitter's background is very important as well. You kind of want to get that all tuned in, and so you got to hit on the field. I mean, that's that's where you're going to play the game. All right, all right. He is Steve Sachs, uh, MLB Network Radio. You check his coverage there, and of course, Sachs in the morning, the podcast where you get your podcast. That's it. Uh, get it. Get the swag. And uh, you know, tag, tag him in it, do all that stuff, and uh, listen. He's uh, words of wisdom each and every day. Well, each and every week. That's right. Hey, right. That's right. Don't be a drag. Go get that swag. That's what I gotta say. <laughs> that, that, I'm glad that right? you went with those words that uh, end in ag, and you didn't go a different direction. 
Well, I would, I would consciously not do that. That's right. That's right. <laughs> of course. Get the swag, baby. Don't be a drag. Okay, I love it. Yeah. All right, brother. Course, enjoy. The you were thinking. The words you were thinking about was like a, an old horse. Yeah. Which is the hag. Yes. Right. An H A G. And a nag. And a nag. And N A G. I think that's a, a hag and a nag. Exactly. Exactly. You get the old hag. That's it. And Papa's got a brand new bag. Remember that back in the day, James Brown. <laughs> <laughs> a little different than your sharp dressed man. Steve Sachs, real quick prediction tonight. Is there going to be a game seven tomorrow? I got actual seven six tonight. We got a game seven tomorrow. You're good, bro. All right, thanks. I appreciate you, man. We'll talk to you soon. Take care. All right, we'll have him back. No doubt about it. Steve Sachs doing it all. Sachs in the morning. He's got the podcast going, chilling like a villain, rhyming, music, rap. We got it all. Got it all for you here. To dive into my good friend there, that mindset, two-time World Series champ, five-time All-Star. Everybody, I don't say everybody, most people are thinking, we're going to have a Game 7. We're going to have a Game 7, are we? You just can't tell. You cannot tell. Now, Chris Bosio joined us yesterday. We talked about from the pitching perspective yesterday. Talked to Bosio again this morning about, okay, let's, let's really line this thing up with the pitchers. And again, Luis Garcia, three days rest. Is that that big of a deal? These relievers are getting really overworked, especially on the Atlanta side. How big of a deal is that? And what Boz said was, if you're a veteran, no problem. Okay? But for these youngsters, it's it's a twofold situation. One is, they're not used to throwing this much even though they will throw basically every day. They'll warm up. They'll play catch. You know, maybe get loosened up in the bullpen. But to be in high-leverage situations for a young pitcher, like a lot of these Braves pitchers are, uh, that could be taxing and, and emotionally as well, too. Veterans, not so much because they're used to it. They've been there. They've done that. So it is one of those things that can be a factor, and that's why I wanted to ask Steve Sachs from a hitter's perspective, when you see these guys over and over, you lose that factor. And let's remember something, too. With the Braves relievers, it's not like these guys are big-time money guys that they're big-time closers or set-up guys with, with high salaries. They're not. Several of these guys have bounced around and, you know, a couple were out of baseball for a while, too. But what Atlanta did is they loaded up on left-handed relievers. And that makes it difficult, especially for these teams that have a lot of left-handed hitters. But with the Astros, they have so much good hitting from, from right-handers that it's probably negated a little bit. And now you take that coupled with you're seeing these guys just about every game, whether it's for an inning or inning in a third, a little bit more, you're getting used to seeing these same arms over and over. So they are probably going to be less effective. And Steve Sachs hit it right there. He said, you know, the, the Braves um, you know, pitchers have not been that good, not as good as advertised. And when you have a game the way you had the other night, Sunday night in game number five, When you have a team that erupts the way the Astros did, especially after their bats were dormant for a while, and you outscore that home team 9-1 to 
in a clinching game, it does make your jaw drop a little bit if you're Atlanta. Because, like, wow, maybe they figured us out. Here's this veteran-laden team. We woke them up. Now they have an off day to get a little bit more refreshed, a little more focused, and now they're playing games six and seven at their home park. So, yeah, advantage Houston. But as we've seen with baseball, you never know what's going to happen. Sachs thinks the Freed is going to snap out of his funk that we've seen the last two games. Basio says, no, Max Freed is probably going to struggle again because as a pitcher and a young pitcher, if you got racked around, that is fresh in your mind. And it takes you a while to get off of that, especially when you got racked in back-to-back starts, Dodgers and now the Astros in game, in game number two there. So now, even though Max Fried has got five days rest, these Houston hitters know him, they know his stuff, and Freed, who is a fastball, sinker ball, slider type of guy, and if he doesn't have his best stuff, that stuff flattens out. If he's a big curveball guy, then you have a chance to, to do some damage there. All right. So if he relies on the curveball, then he's got a shot to succeed tonight. But if he's going to stick with what we've seen the last two starts for Max Freed, and they're on top of him, they've seen enough of him now, you got to remember, I mean, he went into the sixth inning in that last game. Astros got one in the first, they got four in the second. Add another one later, won that game seven to two, game two in Houston. So Max Freed is your ace. And if he doesn't have it tonight, that's a crushing blow for the Braves because now you don't have him for Game 7, and now you're going to get into a situation now where Ian Anderson, that's asking a lot for him. He's a nice young talent, but to put the weight on his shoulders for a Game 7, wow. So it makes it interesting. The Braves, they want to close it out tonight. They want to close it out with their ace, but their ace has not been good. So you can make the case that, hey, Atlanta has the the pitching advantage here. I don't know. Go on the other side and say, Astros are back at home. They got Garcia, who's looked good, but he's only got three days rest. How much of that does play into it? Yes, adrenaline plays into it as well, too. But the bottom line is, if your arm is sore, your arm is sore. If you have a dead arm, you got a dead arm. We saw Max Scherzer, same situation. One of the greats, one of the veterans. But yeah, he's got a lot of mileage on his arm. A lot, lot on his shoulder and his elbow. And he basically told Dave Roberts, I can't do it anymore. I can't go. And they had to shelve him. And part of the reason, maybe because Dave Roberts used him when he shouldn't have. Out of the bullpen in that clinching game against the Giants. Mm. But that's why you have to be careful. So in this situation tonight, Dusty Baker is saying, we're going with Luis Garcia. He's our, our best guy for this moment at home, even though he has three days rest. Dusty said he will have a short leash, and Jose Arquiti is waiting to start Game 7 on normal rest. However, Dusty did say that he will go Arquiti tonight if he feels we got a close ball game and we need our best pitcher because right now Arquiti is your, is your best guy, and Garcia is your second best guy. So that's the way it's lined up for tonight. So it's going to be good. Can hardly wait to see it. Be watching it from afar tonight. Game number six, Minute Maid Park, Astros, and the Braves. Will there be a Game 7? Well, tomorrow we'll be talking about it. We'll be talking about previewing a Game 7 or crowning the Braves as champions. 
Looking forward to it tonight. All right, we come back on the other side. We talk a little football. Steve Berline will join us, the former quarterback, as we talk NFL week number eight, a quick look ahead to week nine, and what about those Kansas City Chiefs last night? We dive into that. Chuck Esposito, we'll talk to him over at Red Rock Casino in the sportsbook. Give us the latest action on tonight's World Series game and a look ahead to NFL and college football this weekend. T.C. Martin Show on a terrible Tuesday. Check this out. Well, I'm the best corner in the game. When you try me with a sorry receiver like Crabtree, that's the result you're going to get. Don't you ever talk about me. Don't you open your mouth about the best. Or you're going to set it for you real quick. In the entertainment capital of the world, it's the T.C. Martin Show. Hey, don't roll it. Hit it downhill. With power, you're running straight downhill. You know where we're coming, and we know where y'all going to be lined up at. Now you just got to stop. I'm saying I'm better than you. It's the doctor, T.C. Martin. Peace mode is already inside of you. The doctor is now in. Hour number two, get ready for World Series game number six tonight. Appreciate Steve Sachs for joining us in hour number one. We talk a little NFL football here in hour number two. We've got Chuck Esposito from uh, Red Rock. Red Rock Station. All right, we'll uh, talk about uh, the odds tonight. Where's the money going? Astros and the Braves. And a uh, little peek ahead to week number nine of the NFL, also college football uh, as as well, too. And again, uh, just to follow up on the breaking news that we talked about at the beginning of the show, uh, Raiders wide receiver Henry Ruggs involved in an automobile accident this morning, uh, driving his uh, Chevy Corvette when he crashed into a Toyota RAV4 at 3.39 this morning, uh, actually on Rainbow uh, near Tropicana. The RAV4 caught fire. A person in the car was pronounced dead on the scene when police arrived. Uh, Ruggs was transported to the hospital with non-life-threatening injuries, but was visibly impaired by police. Uh, He has been charged with driving under the influence, resulting in death. Uh, It's unclear if there were drugs or alcohol involved here, but uh, he was, uh, again, uh, charged with a, a DUI. Uh, he was actually spotted at Top Golf uh, late last night. We played you the police uh, dispatch uh, audio a little bit earlier on. Uh, the Raiders had this release where they said the Raiders are aware of an accident involving Henry Ruggs III that occurred this morning in Las Vegas. We are devastated by the loss of life, and our thoughts and prayers go out to the victim's family. We're in the process of gathering information, and we'll have no further comment at this time. So, uh, very sad news, like I said, that broke earlier this morning, first here locally, and then now became a football story, became a national story. And um, Heidi Fang joined us from the Las Vegas Review-Journal, first hour. She is uh, at the jail at the Clark County Detention Center uh, where Ruggs is, uh, they are waiting, Henry Ruggs, to be booked after he is released from the UMC uh, Medical uh, Center. So... Uh, Henry Ruggs will will be booked and is is actually being booked as we speak, uh, you know, right now. So, uh, yeah, so we'll continue to follow that story. All right, so let's get some thoughts here. 
as uh, we look what has happened on the field with the former quarterback himself and the former Raider and uh, the former Panther and the former Bronco and the former couple others and the uh, reigning uh, chicken wing champion at Blue Ribbon. His uh, name is on the wall, Steve Berline. What is going on, my friend? Hey, I have not officially earned that title, uh, but but I would like a chance to compete for it, for sure. So uh, let's talk about a competition, for sure. Okay, so let, 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 I would enjoy, uh, you know, being a glutton for that kind of punishment. I, I think that, you know, I mean... We've dined together. We both saw each other dive into the chicken and, and, and order more. We say we got to get some more. I mean, you, on the other hand, I mean, you just said, I got to get some to go. I, I got to drive home with the, uh, with the greasy uh, fingers and, and, and drive back to Southern California. Who, who would win this competition here? I think you and I would have to be the favorite in this competition, don't you think? I would have to think we'd be the front runners going in for sure. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know. Uh, it, although I do believe that anybody that's experienced those those uh, chicken wings before would be every bit as excited as we would be, um, but I wouldn't stop until we won. I just know that much, and I and I wouldn't and I would not allow you to stop either. That's it. Hey, so, that's it, Steve. We can go uh, a tag team competition, okay? And, and you and I will yeah. tag team. Uh, then there's no stopping us. There it is. I mean, between the we, two of us, how many of those things can can we down? You think? Uh, how many buckets? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I'm scared to even put a number out there I, just because uh, uh, I think I'd be selling myself short, but then I'd also be regretting how many that I think I could put yeah. down as well. Yeah. So, um, But we're on to something here. Maybe we're on to something. Uh-huh. The next uh, – the next great event that you're going to set up that you're going to promote. There it is. There it is. The the T.C. Martin and Steve Berline uh, chicken wing domination uh, at the Cosmopolitan. Yeah. First down. Absolutely correct. There, there it is. So, <laughs> so when you were playing, I mean, did, could you eat the chicken wings and in, in, in this kind of food on a regular basis while you're playing, or did you have a pretty strict diet? Well, two things. Uh, one, you know, it was a different time. We're talking about uh, my career ended 18 years ago. So uh, when I was in my, my prime, we'd say maybe, you know, 20 to 25 years ago, um, you know, there was a, a focus on nutrition and, and health and all that stuff, of course, but it's, it's evolved so much. And, you know, that's one factor. Number two, my metabolism was slightly better at that time. <laughs> so, so, uh, I could get away with, uh, you know, cheating once in a while. But, you know, during the season, you predominantly during the course of the week, you're, you're really watching what you're eating and trying to make sure that you're, you're being as smart about that part of it as you can. Uh, most of the guys after home games uh, would let themselves maybe slack off a little bit, you know, when you're with family and friends out, maybe have a couple beers or, or and, and maybe have a burger or pizza or something like that. But, you know, come Monday, Tuesday, you're getting back to the the regular routine where you you really are trying to get yourself uh, both mentally and physically uh, prepared for to be at your best on that following Sunday. Hmm. All right, there it is, Steve Berline, the uh, the food connoisseur in his uh, retirement years. There you go, golf and in food, my kind of guy. There it is. <laughs> yeah, and and beer and beer. There you go. <laughs> we yeah, got... yeah, although. Although that is not a really good topic to be discussing right now in light of uh, what what is going on there in your town, uh, unfortunately, with uh, Henry Ruggs. So uh, it's 
just too bad. So let's let's let me get your thoughts on this, Steve. Just from a perspective of you know you were a member of this organization, and uh, when you have something like this that happens, and you are playing well, the Raiders are coming off the bye week, and you've got just not a player, but you've got your one of your best receivers, star wide receiver, and now you're coming back in and get ready for a football game after the bye week. Uh, obviously this is going to be a big-time distraction, and there's no booklet here on how to handle something like this. Uh, how, if you are Derek Carr and you are you know, the coaching staff of this team, and Rich Basaccia, again, he's an interim head coach. He's got no experience with this. I mean, you know, he's filling in for John Gruden in three weeks to the day that Mark Davis lets John Gruden go. This happens. With uh, Henry Ruggs, what do you think uh, is transpiring in the minds of the players uh, with this uh, Raiders team right now? Well, first and foremost, uh, you you have to uh, acknowledge the, the loss of the family mm-hmm. um, of, of the deceased uh, person in the accident. Uh, that gets lost a lot of times when you're talking about these high-profile cases like this. So uh, that needs to be recognized first. And then second, you know, um, I, I cannot imagine what Henry Ruggs is going through. You know, we've all made mistakes, and we've all probably at some point gotten behind the wheel when we shouldn't have. Um, and uh, there, it's not for us to judge him uh, for that mistake that he made and that, that cost someone their life, but I can't imagine what he's going through right now. You know, when the reality of all of this uh, sitting out there and hitting him at this point um, you know, I've always been very passionate about this. I really believe, and I've tried to implement a program myself, and I've gone to the NFL, uh, and, and I, I created a program uh, that I've got the trademark on. It's called, it's literally called Do the Right Thing. And the whole purpose of the, the program and the initiative is to try and help young people. And when I consider, when I talk about young people, I'm talking about young NFL players as well. I'm talking about uh, mainly middle school, high school, college, and young adults who are, are still just getting their life started, who really don't know as much about life as they think they do, uh, to try and encourage them to understand and really uh, uh, you know, learn how to comprehend the significance of every choice that they make and to try to get themselves in the habit of making good choices uh, whenever it comes to making any decision. You know, just like uh, making good choices, uh, making bad choices can become a habit, and uh, you want to try and instill into these young people the the good habit of of thinking through the ramifications and the possibilities of every single decision that you make. And I believe you can condition people to make good choices. Um, and and you know maybe Henry Ruggs is a guy that normally does make good choices, but this obviously at three in the morning uh, was not a good choice. And um, it's just so sad that that these things happen. Um, on, on a fairly regular basis. The organization itself, the Raiders, um, they'll have support in the right places, I'm sure. I, I, when I was with the Carolina Panthers, and at different points during my career, we had to deal with uh, situations similar to this. Uh, you remember the whole Ray Caruth story, uh, with, with who uh, Ray Caruth was a wide receiver for the Panthers, uh, and in 1999 um, he was involved with a plot to have his girlfriend killed. And and she was killed. She was pregnant and she was killed. And Ray was found to be involved. And that was about three or four games into the season. And we had to deal with all the media that was going on around that that whole 
uh, distraction, and, and it's a big-time challenge, and the leadership of the team really does come into play, and it is going to fall on Derek Carr because he is kind of the spokesman for the for the Raiders organization now, and uh, I was in that role with the Carolina Panthers at the time as a starting quarterback, and you've got to do whatever you can do to kind of diffuse it and and um, and, and just deal with it in the in the, the the best way possible and try and keep your team as focused as possible, but it's difficult. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, very, very sad time here today, you know, with this news and we've been talking about it and, uh, first and foremost, the, the loss of life here and that's the tragic part, uh, of it is. And yes, with Henry Ruggs, um, he's 22 years old. He's, he's a, he's a young kid and, um, you know, for him, you know, you, you don't know what's ahead of him, you know, right now. He's, so his life will never be the same. Never be I mean, the same. It'll never be the same. Yeah. Um, he's, he's going to have to live with this and, and, uh, uh, you, you just hope. That, uh, that that there's a, a positive that comes out of this whole thing down the road. You know, maybe the way it impacts him and it impacts people down the road, and and, and it, and it uh, enables him to make a difference and positive difference in many people's lives down the road. He is Steve Berline. Joins us, the former quarterback, does a great job on the CBS Sports Network uh, as well too. He's got his uh, Monday quarterback uh, show on the CBS Sports Network that airs here on Mondays at 3 p.m. Pacific time. Steve, let's talk about uh, some stuff on the field here, and let's go back to last night's game. Uh, I, for one, firmly believed that the Kansas City Chiefs were going to uh, right the ship, so to speak, and they were going to look how they've looked um, coming off losses before, and when they faced these NFC East teams, when they came off a loss, beat the Eagles, came off a loss, beat Washington, coming off a loss last week uh, to Tennessee, and they faced the Giants. Well, the Giants didn't get the memo because the Giants looked pretty darn good last night. Can make the argument maybe the Giants should have won the game. Kansas City ends up pulling it out with a Harrison Butker field goal there at the end to win 20-17. to uh, The Chiefs did not score a touchdown in the second half here. Let's start with this. Uh, what is wrong with this Chiefs team? Well, first of all, if you would have watched my show yesterday... Uh, you I was on the air, uh, man, okay? So let's you, be perfectly can, clear. Don't give me that. They show it <laughs> twice on Monday. They show it three times. On Tuesday, you've got a DVR. You can record that this thing. Is true. This is Come true. on. Guilty. You would have seen at, at the end of the show, I predicted that the Giants would win that game. Um, and I thought they would have a chance just because of the different trajectories of the teams. And, uh, you know, I thought Cardarius Tony would be a much bigger factor in that ball game. They didn't even get in the ball, I don't think, until the second half. Uh, so, um, you know, you got to give credit to the Chiefs defense for that. But yeah, I mean, it was, I, I, I was sure it was going to be a competitive game. The Chiefs are not the same football team right now. Uh, Patrick Mahomes is not the same quarterback right now. But listen, you, sh- you pick one quarterback that at, at some point in their career does not go through uh, a, little, a little streak like this. And I, I think in the long run, it's going to be better for Patrick Mahomes. Uh, he will, he is strong enough mentally. Uh, to deal with the, the struggle that he's having right now. But, I mean, he had a lot of other balls that could have been picked off uh, last night as well. And, um, you know, the, there's something that's going on the way the defenses are playing against him right now where they're, they're not they're, – they're forcing him to be patient. And he's not had to do that at any point in his career to really just consistently take the checkdowns and not have these receivers running open all over the field uh, and being able to make these unbelievable throws to him. Uh, teams are saying he has shown 
uh, propensity to get frustrated and try to get a little bit uh, overly aggressive at times. And let's see if, if we can coax him into a few mistakes. And he's learning the hard way that, uh, you know, that you can't – when, when, when the defense makes up its mind that they're not going to give up a big play, uh, they're not going to give up a big play. And you've got to be patient. You've got to keep hurting them with those little dinks and dunks underneath and, and make them come up and, and play those underneath routes in order to open up what's up the field. And you also have to run the ball a little bit more effectively. Uh, so, uh, you know, he's going through it right now. I have no doubt he'll come through it, but uh, it's definitely uh, – he is not playing with the same kind of confidence and the same kind of uh, uh, mojo that he has played that we're used to seeing from Patrick Mahomes, and it's affecting the whole team. It is, and, you know, really it's both sides of the ball. I mean, defensively, I mean, so many missed tackles. You've seen you see blown coverage, and it just it doesn't look like a team that is really in sync right now. And, again, this is just isn't a one-game scenario or two-game scenario. I mean, this team is below 500 right now, and they just don't look good, uh, whether if, if it's on the offensive side, if you want to maybe blame the patchwork of, of the offense of line, Mahomes not having enough time, or is he just careless with the ball? It just seems like it's not one thing, Steve. It seems like you can you can point to all three phases of the game, offensively, defensively, and special teams. Yeah, you really can. And and, and by the way, they, they could have lost that game last night, and, and their record could be worse yeah. than what it is right now, very easily. And uh, I, you know, in watching that game, I'm actually, as we're talking, I've got highlights going. Uh, in my, on my TV of that game right now. And, uh, you know, there, there were, I think the protection in general last night was pretty good for Patrick Mahomes. Um, you know, there were opportunities for him to make throws, uh, you know, and, and, and for whatever reason, he just wasn't doing it. He had time on a lot of different situations, but, uh, I just think that he is, he is not the same Patrick Mahomes right now that he normally is and that he will be again very soon. And uh, I think, you know, he's, he's kind of struggling with his mortality. And as a result, I think the Chiefs in general have lost a little bit of their, their own confidence. And, and uh, there's no doubt they'll get it back because they're, they're too talented. Yeah, you know, I'm going to go in a little different direction here too. And I don't know. It's, I'm watching this game last night. And I'm looking at Andy Reid, and I'm looking at the body language of not just him, but everybody else. And I don't know why, Steve, but I had this flashback. It really reminded me of his last year in Philadelphia, where you know Andy Reid got all of these uh, you know kudos and accolades, and then all of a sudden it just started going bad there in Philadelphia where the team wasn't performing, and then he all of a sudden was a little bit under a hot seat, then he was let go, and a lot of people were surprised that he was let go. And seeing this you know, with Kansas City, just really from the entire season on, I, I'm not saying that, you know, that this is the end of Andy Reid or whatever, but I'm just, it just reminded me of his final season in Philadelphia where just things aren't going right. It looked nothing like the teams of old, and that's what I'm seeing here with Kansas City. I'm talking to a lot of Chiefs fans, and they have been down on this team basically for the last you know, two seasons saying you know, th- this team is a shell of itself. This, this team is – they're struggling. They're going to struggle this year, and sure enough, that is exactly what's happening. I don't know what it is, but I just don't see – uh, you know the the fire in Andy Reid or the fire in anyone on this team. 
Well, you know, you, you may be onto something there. Who knows? Um, I think it's too early to count um, both Andy Reid and the Chiefs out of it. Um, seems like the AFC West is kind of coming back to them a little bit with what's happened with the Chargers for the last couple of weeks. And, you know, the Broncos lost four straight. Uh, you know, the Raiders are out front, but they're going through their own adversity. So I don't think anybody is going to eliminate the Kansas City Chiefs for a while. And, and by the way, I mean, they, they, they're coming off of two consecutive trips to the Super Bowl. Um, there's going to be a letdown at some point, and you lose players, players get hurt. Uh, there's a lot of different factors that come into the equation here. Um, I, I would I would have to see, and, and you got, you got to wonder, Andy, Andy Reid is how many years older than he was when he left Philadelphia. So it probably, as everything else in life, it gets more difficult the older you get to keep yourself as sharp and to keep yourself as motivated and just get through the normal course of a season. So I'm sure all of those are factors, but I don't think that's a conversation that really comes up until after we see how this season evolves, uh, you know, from start to finish. Yeah, no, it's not a conversation. Again, for for me, it was just kind of a a quirky observation. That's what it was, you know, and and again, not true. Right. You you could be onto something, you know, you could be, I mean, uh, and that'll play itself out as well. All right. All right. Let's talk about the Raiders. Uh, they got to get ready for a game against the Giants, who we saw last night, who were very impressive. And this Giants team ha- has looked good. They've been a hard luck loser in a couple of different scenarios. You know, going back last week, I mean, they were what, all over the Carolina Panthers, w- winning that game like twenty-five to three. They had a lot of momentum. You know, coming into this game against Kansas City. What are your thoughts about Daniel Jones? I think he's taken a big step this year. Um, uh, just the way that he looks in general. Now, toward the end of that game last night, he did uh, look again like an inexperienced young quarterback. Some of the sacks he took, uh, you know, a couple of them he, he probably couldn't couldn't have helped or couldn't have made a difference. But you, in those situations, you you have to understand that that's the only thing you can't do. You can't take a sack uh, if that means just getting rid of the ball, throwing it away, and living to see another down. Uh, you got to do that. But uh, I really think in general, when you look at what he's been through as far as the number of receivers that he's had to rotate through, I think they've got uh, 10 receivers. Uh, I would say, and I'm not saying that sarcastically. I think they're, they're up near 10 receivers that they've got on their active roster right now because so many of them are, are hurt, but they're not hurt significantly enough to be on injured reserve. And, and they're rotating guys out there left and right. I mean, some of these guys you've never even heard of, but you're wondering where they find them. But uh, I think it makes it more impressive what Daniel Jones has done. He's not made excuses. He's not, um, you know, uh, using it as a crutch uh, or as a reason for their lack of success. Uh, I think this is a team that's really playing with a lot of confidence that believes that they're a pretty good football team. They just haven't quite gotten over that hump of really, really – thinking and believing that they can win when they step on the football field. And you and I both know that that doesn't happen until you experience it. and You start putting, you know, one, two, and three wins together where you start actually feeling like you're a pretty good football team and believing it. So uh, I I think they're going to continue to play at a a pretty high level. I think as long as he can stay healthy, Daniel Jones himself, um, you know, he'll, he'll have a pretty solid year by the time it's all said and done. Yeah. Talk to me about Kirk Cousins. 
I'm watching this game against the Cowboys the other day, and you know, the first drive was beautiful. Let him down, 75-yard march for a touchdown. And then after that, nothing. And then as the game progressed and we got into the fourth quarter and you had all these meaningful uh, you know, possessions, I mean, he came up empty. He was, he was, he was missing receivers and then you know, just uncomfortable in the pocket. I, and I know a lot of people like to point at uh, the primetime record, you know, Sunday night football, Monday night football with Kirk Cousins. And I just, you know, I've always kind of, you know, dismayed that. But what I saw with him on Sunday night, Steve, it just, it was ugly. What is up with this guy? You know, I, 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 I'm assuming you might know my, my nickname on our show. Uh, Adam, Adam Shine calls me the resident Kirk Cousins hater. Uh, because I've been ripping Kirk Cousins for years. Oh, I know. You've I done mean, it on this I, show, too, as well, too. So, yeah, yeah. well aware. I, I, I've, I've come out and, and said from the very beginning, I think he's the most overpaid quarterback of all time. And I'm not taking anything away from him in terms of, of you know, whether he can play. I mean, his numbers uh, always are pretty solid at the end of the year, and he has a lot of really good games. But he does not win football games in primetime. He does not win football games against teams with a winning record. That was a stat that I exposed about three or four years ago. Uh, no one ever talked about it, but I said, listen, let's, let's do a little research. And this is at the time, uh, it was right as they were making the trade, uh, Minnesota made the uh, pick them up in free agency. And I, I told our guys on the show, I said, Let's look at what his record is against winning teams. At that point in time, he had played, I think, 31 games. That When he played them at the time, they had a winning record. What do you think his record was at that time after 31 games against teams with winning records? Take a guess what you think his record was. Oh, geez. Well, I'm I'm probably going to guess somewhere along the lines of like uh, 11 and 21 or something like that, or maybe even worse. Well, that'd be 32, but 11 and 20 well, is what you're saying? Oh, yeah, my... yeah, yeah, yeah. I can remember the <laughs> masculine. Exactly. exactly. All right. I'll, I'll, yeah. t- I'll take so, the under. How's his, that? His his record was, at that time, 5 and 26 <laughs> against teams with winning records. Okay? And it's gotten it's only gotten worse over the last three or four years. He, he can win games against the Jacksonvilles and against – you know, the uh, go down the list of the teams that, that are consistently not very good. You know, the, the, the Giants the last few years or, you know, whatever, go down the list of those teams. It, 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 the Lions, it, it just continues to happen. Now, he's won a few big games over the whole course of that time for sure. I mean, he's not stuck on the number five, but he, he, he wins only about 30% of those games. And he continues to get new contracts, and he continues to get paid. Um, now, now the rest of the team didn't play well the other night either. I mean, Dalvin Cook was a non-factor. How does that happen? Uh, you got to talk about the coaching and the, the game planning that went into that game as well. But, but the, it's not coincidence. It follows Kirk Cousins every single year, and um, he continues to just collect and cash checks and. Um, you know, everybody says, you know, what, what's the deal with Kirk Cousins? A lot of people make excuses for him. Right. They say, oh, he didn't have a whole lot of support around him. Hey, listen, there's a lot of quarterbacks that would kill to be the Minnesota Vikings quarterback right now. Trust me. Uh, their offense is a lot better than half the offenses in the NFL. So uh, let someone else step in there. And let's see what happens. That's that's my attitude. No, you're right. I mean, 5-26. and 26. Think about that. 5-26. and 26. That is a tremendous stat. 
And no, I'm I'm with you. I don't I I don't like the guy. And like you said, there are plenty of weapons. All right, and Dalvin Cook, and you're not utilizing him. Adam Thielen. Uh, yep. The Vikings have always had you yep. know great tight Jefferson. ends as well too. Yes, Jeff, yes, yes. You had Stephon Diggs until just last exactly. year. Exactly. Right. Right. You know, I mean, you had you had the, one of the most talented offenses in the NFL, and uh, and you, you're still making excuses for him. So, um, you know, it, it is what it is, right? Let me let me just tell you this. All right, I and I, I may be wrong, but but I I can tell you that there are two things that I never did uh, that I don't think Jared Goff could say. Uh, one is I don't think I ever played a full game and did not throw for over 100 yards. That's number one. Number two, I never played an NFL game where I don't even think I ever threw four interceptions in a game. Uh, but but I, 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 I never threw more. I don't think I ever threw more than three. And Jared Goff can't say that either. I think he's thrown uh, five or six at one point. Uh, although Brett Favre even did that at one point. Yeah. But um, <laughs> my point being, I, I, it, it's hard it really is hard to do either one of those things. You almost have to be trying to throw interceptions or incomplete passes to come up with a stat like that. It's almost like he was trying to see if he could go without completing a pass all day. So that's, that's all, the only way I can explain it. I, there, there is no explanation. I, it just, it's, it's mind-boggling. You talk about guy cashing checks. And this guy's ca- he's almost cashing Kirk Cousins' type of money almost. It's ridiculous. Well, in, in, his, in his defense, I mean, uh, in his defense, he, he has, uh, you know, he underachieved at the Rams, but I think he is what he is, right? But he, he's had some big games, and he took a team to a Super Bowl. Uh, he didn't play very well, um, and he got caught up in this trade. I mean, I, I think it, when you put a good team around him, he can be a serviceable quarterback um, and, 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 and win games. I mean, he's shown that he could do that, um, but you put him on a a team like the Lions, right where they're at right now, and um, you know it, it, it's not pretty at all, and, and uh, it, it's pretty hard to do. All right, Steve Berline, appreciate the time uh, as always, my friend. Um, check him out on Mondays, all right, and you can always DVR that as well too. There it is, three o'clock. There you here. go, that, that. <laughs> CBS Sports Network. All right, for you Direct TV users, that's channel two two one. See, I got it logged in. I got it dialed in. Look, I got I got you I on it. I got you on Monday. I got my guy Houston Nutt, our good buddy on the college side, usually there on Fridays or Saturdays. Yeah, we, we know all about the CBS Sports Network, my friend. I hear you, babe. I hear you, man. All right, man. We'll uh get back to Vegas here, man. Uh I'll line up the uh, chicken eating competition. Uh just come hungry, my friend. That's all I gotta say. Come hungry and come thirsty, but you do that naturally anyway. We'll do it, man. Thank you. Appreciate it, buddy. Take care. There he is. Steve Berline. The former QB. When we come back, Chuck Esposito is going to join us over at Red Rock. We talk about tonight's World Series betting action. Also, this week's NFL action. Let's take a look ahead. Hey, this is Steve Heitner, and you're listening to T.C. Martin. He's huge, baby. All right, getting ready for game number six tonight between the Braves and the Astros. Chuck Esposito, join us, the man of all seasons, running around like a chicken with his head cut off over at, over at Red Rock. He's, he's there every day, never has a day off. As Bill Belichick said, no days off for you, Chuck Esposito. What's going on, man? 
I'm all good, TC. I love it. It's football season. Basketball's going on. Hockey. You have Breeders' Cup coming up. It's uh, no days off needed, man. It's just fun. It's uh, fun to be on this side of the counter this time of year. And how are you liking it over there? I mean, uh, you're a totally different side of town now and, uh, you know, getting a chance to know a lot of your regulars over there. I know you spent a lot of time there, but not so much like at the book before. I know you were kind of going back and forth, but how's uh, Red Rock treating you? It's awesome. It's, uh, you know, great, uh, great team up here. A uh, great group of uh, guys and girls. It's uh, fun being part of uh, uh, Jason McCormick and, and his team and, and trying to achieve everything we want to achieve up here. And, you know, the the growth end of it and just kind of the, the big push for a race in sports and, you know, STN's uh, mobile sports signups and, uh, and getting guests used to all of our different promotions and, and things that are going on. Um, it's great. It really is. It's a beautiful book, a beautiful property, all of our uh, books and properties are, are extremely nice, but it's uh, it's great being up here at Red Rock, and uh, you know I, I can't tell you how much I'm enjoying my time here right now. All right, great stuff, my friend. All right, so let's talk a little bit about game number six uh, tonight, uh, Astros and Braves. We've got the Astros uh, about a dollar thirty-five, you know, favorite. Uh, obviously, Chuck, I I've got a big future ticket on the Astros, so I'm sweating bullets here. I'm kind of like refraining from like hedging off. I already hedged off a little bit in the in the beginning of the series. Got Braves plus one thirty, and now I'm thinking, okay, do I hedge off a little in six, or just do I wait for Game Seven? Uh, give me some advice here, my friend. Hey, it's tough call. You know, I, know. I, I think when you look at it, you look at a team that was down three games to one and, and down four runs in the first inning um, in game five, the fact that they're at home for game six and seven, if necessary, uh, you've already kind of won a little bit. You've got a shot here. So, I mean, I think you, you look at it and, and kind of decide what you want to do. Um, you know, they're going to be the favorite in this game and probably in game seven as well. The public is backing the Astros here. And if you're the Braves, are you kicking yourself? Uh, for letting one get away and having to come back to Houston to play. Are you a little surprised, uh, Chuck, uh, especially at the, if you're watching the game uh, at five and it's 4 nothing at the end of one, you're surprised that we're here in Houston for a game six? Yeah, I would say I'm not surprised that there's a game six, but after, you know, the Braves were up three games to one and then and then trailing and then being up 4-0 in the first inning, I am surprised. Usually you can kind of put a team away at that point. I thought just looking at kind of the, the demeanor of the Astros. They kind of looked like a, a beaten team at that point. But, hey, hats off to them. They came roaring back. They scored, you know, often and, and you know, made that a game quite early. Um, and, you know, they knew they were, they'd were they have a chance to come back home. And it's got to weigh in the Braves a little bit, TC, that I know they beat the Dodgers this year, but they had a 3-1 lead last year and let it get away from them. Uh, they'd hate to see that happen again this year. And this is, a, you know, their first trip since, I think, 99 that they're playing in the World Series. They're a really good team. They play small ball a little bit more than, than Houston does. But, again, for me, man, they, they let one get away, I think, when they were up four runs in the first at home. Yeah, and then, again, you know, we've been talking about you know what is their mindset for a team that you know they're a pretty young team, aside you know, really from Freddie Freeman. This is a young team. You have three games at home. You let that game get away, and you knowing you're not returning back home, and now all of a sudden, wow, you woke up the sleeping giant a little bit, and now you go got to go back to Minute Maid Park. And I'll tell you firsthand, man, it is a crazy, raucous environment there. And the Braves are, are walking into that for game six and seven. So you just, you know, you, you wonder. And, you know, you wonder about Max Fried as well, too, uh, coming off not one bad outing, but two bad outings if you go back to, you know, the way he performed against the Dodgers in the NLCS. Right. I mean, you know, I think at this point, it's both teams will use whoever they have to use. If it's an inning, if it's multiple innings, if it's a batter. They'll do whatever they can 
um, to, to get through this right now. So, hey, you're in a game seven, six, and if it goes to game seven, I expect it even to be worse that, you know, you've seen more bullpen-type um, games pitched by teams this entire season, into the postseason, and now potentially into the World Series. But, hey, that's, that's part of it. The Braves are one game away. The Astros two games away. I expect both teams to throw the kitchen sink, if need be, uh, to get those wins that they need, um, to, to, to be drinking champagne either tonight or after Wednesday's game. Chuck, are you a little surprised that the line is around 135 or so in favor of the Astros, considering you got Garcia, the youngster, uh, pitching on three days rest, and you know Freed was the ace and is still considered the ace, and he's got five full days rest, and the Braves still do lead this series. Um, did, did you anticipate this line maybe being a little bit lower, or you think it's right? I thought maybe a little bit lower, TC, but I did think that the, the betters would back Houston in this game. I think the, the three days rest for me with Garcia is the big question mark. Um, but, uh, you know, we still have a little bit of time until the game goes. You might see this number start to trickle back down a little bit. But it's been a, uh, a steady ascent up so far with pretty much one-sided play on the Astros. Betters are backing them, um, the total over in the game, and the Astros on the, on the run line. All right, uh, 135 is where it sits. And where are we at with the total right now, Chuck? And you said that you're seeing a lot of over money, which isn't a surprise, especially yeah, with know, these bats at Minute Maid Park. Yeah, I mean, I think you, you look at the series as a whole and you had game four that, you know, stayed under, game five that they, they scored a lot of runs. Um, so, you know, we'll see. I think at least you're not going, you know, full bullpen where you might have guys that are in there for a short time and you might see that total get over a little bit. But, uh, um, you know, right now uh, that's the way they're betting it. Again, you still have some time before the game they throw first pitch, but kind of interesting to watch it tonight. It should be fun. You know, both these teams had some some pretty high odds, and you know, like I said, I, I got a, the Astros back at twenty two to one back in April, and I know the Braves were were up there as well too. Do you guys have any liability whatsoever when it comes to uh, either team, or are you guys sitting nice either way? We're actually in pretty good shape right now. Uh, Giants and um, and Red Sox were the two teams that you know we didn't do as well to Cardinals too heading into the postseason, but uh, overall, uh, Astros and Braves pretty good shape again. Giants were by far. I think I can speak for the industry, um, was, was the worst team uh, for everybody in the industry, a lot of liability. But they're out of it right now in pretty good shape on these two teams. All right, uh, Chuck, before we get to the football stuff, I'll, real quickly I'd like to touch with you with the Golden Knights. And I know that uh, you love your hockey. And, and again, uh, you know, Golden Knights betters uh, love you know, betting on this team. But, I mean, they have uh, been a little bit of a, a money burner for the most part during the course of this season. Um, you know, they, they got the money there barely in the last home game as, as a $2-plus favorite again against uh, Anaheim. But we've seen this team struggle. Uh, what are your thoughts on why the Golden Knights are struggling right now? Oh, I think that's easy, TC. I mean, I think you look at all the injuries. I mean, you look at now the injury to Carlson and Stone and, um, you know, playing without Tuck and, and Pacioretty and, and the, the deal for Marc-Andre Fleury. I think it's a different night team than you've seen before. Um, you know, they they bet against them against Colorado last week, and it ended up being, you know, an extremely good game for our side of the counter. I think it's just the injuries that they've had. It's a long season, um, totally different team. You know, you've, you've lost kind of your – your leader on and off the ice and flurry, uh, and then the injuries that they've had. When you look at a team that's kind of up against the cap and that they've been calling a lot of kids up, you know, and, and shuffling the deck frequently, you play without the speed of Tuck and the, 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 the sniper and Pacioretty and your team leader in Stone and the creativity of Carlson and, and Martinez on the back end. It is a lot for any team to overcome losing guys like that on your top two lines. So um, they're 4-4. Four four. I'm not – 
overly concerned at this point. Um, at one and four, you know, you, you, you knew they had kind of a slow start, but wins in Colorado and Dallas still kind of show that this team has a lot of heart. They're really good. And you're not going to win a Stanley Cup in October or November. Um, you can lose one, of course, but I'm not overly worried about them. And who knows? They still might be big name hunting. Uh, a lot of rumors about Jack Eichel potentially, um, you know, coming to the Knights at some point. Not sure if he'll be ready to play or when. I should say or when he'll be ready to play. Um, but uh, there's, those, there's those rumblings out there as well. You mentioned Mark Andre Fleury, Chuck, and I know you're, you're a Blackhawks fan, and you still talk to people back in Chicago. Uh, this team one and seven and two. Uh, what do, what, do, what are they saying back there uh, about Fleury? And what are your thoughts uh, if you got a chance to see Fleury in action here? You know, I have seen him. Um, you know, I thought he played a really good game last night. Uh, I thought the whole team played a good game against St. Louis the other night when they got beat. It's a brand-new team there, too. Um, I, I can't speak for, for Fleury. Um, he's a phenomenal goaltender, and he was, you know, the heart and soul of this team. And there was more 29 jerseys that you saw in supermarkets and sports books and in the arena than anything else. I have to think that it definitely pulled on his heart um, to be traded. He was a Vesna Trophy winner, and to leave this team, that I, I'm sure it, it's an adjustment. Um, not, not that it's an excuse. It's part of sports. It's a business. But I can't tell you that um, I'm guessing he had to feel like, you know, it, it was a bad dream when it first happened. Uh, I think he's a great addition for the Hawks. They're a storied franchise. You know, three cups since, since 2010. Um, one of the original six still have a guy like Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taze there and, and DeBrinkett and some other young, talented players. So, I think it'll just take a few, you know, months maybe for this team to turn it around a little bit. But, uh, you know, hey, it's a business, and I think we've all seen that now more than ever. We're, we're a big-time hockey club, and when that happens, or a, a big-time hockey city. And when that happens, you see trades like this, and sometimes it rips out the player's heart, and it rips out the fan's heart as well. All right, Chuck Esposito joins us from Red Rock. Chuck, the dogs really were barking in the NFL, you know, going about Thursday, Sunday, Monday. And then the Giants came through again, another dog, you know, cashing uh, the tickets. I, I believe what uh, what nine dogs overall covered uh, during the course of, of the weekend. And I kind of imagine that you, you probably needed the Giants a little bit last night. But uh, g- give me some thoughts on, on the dogs covering and the books uh, doing pretty well this week. Well, we did, TC. The dogs were definitely barking. You're right. They were uh, underdogs were nine and five against the number. And you know I'm gonna I'm gonna talk dirty on the air. I mean the the, the bad four letter word I'm gonna say is J E T S. Having the Jets win the game outright against the Bengals. I, sorry if I scared you there a little bit, but uh, the, the 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 Jets outright win was huge for our side of the counter. And if you look at you know the first it was five Sundays in um, in October. If you look at the first Sunday and the last Sunday, um, it was kind of bookended. No pun intended for. Uh, Jason and my uh, sports gaming podcast, which is called Bookend. Right. Um, but uh, that first Sunday and last Sunday, the two things you have in common is that the Jets won outright both. The Giants won outright once, and they covered the second time. So that New York, New York parlay on the first Sunday in October and the last Sunday in October was extremely beneficial for our side of the counter. Uh, but the betters and the guests did really well on those three middle Sundays throughout the course of the month. When was the last time anybody used Mike White and uh, Cooper Rush in the same sentence? <laughs> you know, and, and Trevor Simeon. You yeah, know, there's I another think, one. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, Pride of Northwestern there. Yeah, I mean, they, they all three stepped in and played, you know, decent games. Really impressed with Mike White. They went up and down the field 
um, against uh, the Bengals. They were in that game from the very beginning. Um, you know, I thought they played really well. Somebody asked me earlier, is there a quarterback controversy in New York? Clearly not. It's only one week. But, hey, it's nice to have a nice uh, young quarterback like that that can step up and, and fill in for your starter. And I think Mike White, Mike White did an outstanding job. Speaking of Mike White, I don't know if you guys had this prop up at your place, but I saw that a, a better put a thousand bucks on Mike White to lead the NFL in passing yards last week uh, for week number eight, and they cashed a ticket for a hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars. It was, you know, that guy really—he <laughs> must have had a crystal ball. What the heck? I mean, is this, is this real? <laughs> <laughs> I guess you know. I mean, it, it's hard to imagine a young quarterback stepping up like that and leading the. Um, the the league in passing that day, but hey, I I want that I want that newspaper crystal ball. Yeah, no kidding, right? <laughs> wow, Mike White of all people. I mean, wasn't Mike White a coach? He was a coach at Cal in Illinois, wasn't he? Uh, yep, same yep. guy, same guy, right? See, yep, yep. Look at that knowledge. All right. Yep, yep. Uh, Chuck, what were your thoughts uh, about the Chiefs uh, last night? I mean, you know, and a lot of people thinking, okay, you know, this team's going to get right. Uh, we're going to lay nine, nine and a half, ten, doesn't matter. Nope. I mean, it, it was all Giants last night, really, r- with a relatively easy cover. You know, TC, to be honest with you, I, I think the Chiefs are, are ordinary right now. Yeah. I mean, they're four and four. They're not a playoff team. They were in last place in the AFC West going into last night's game. Um, defensively, they don't play great, although they played better last night, but it might be a product of the Giants' poor offense and all the injuries they have. They don't have that second wide receiver. You saw last night the Giants double-teaming Hill and Kelsey. Um, There was no separation with Robinson, Hardman, or uh, Pringle. Um, I'm surprised they didn't go out and try to get an Allen Robinson or an OBJ today. Maybe they did, but it just didn't work out. And they can't run the ball. They really struggle running the football. Um, there's still a lot of time left, and they're not that far off the pace in their division. they got a tough home game against Green Bay this week and one of the tougher home tougher schedules overall in the league the rest of the season. But to me, they're just ordinary right now. They're turning the ball over at a crazy pace on offense that we haven't seen over the last three years from Patrick Mahomes. And although they the game's around, pick them, you know, one either way. Uh, I can't remember the last time with Patty Mahomes that this Chief team was potentially a, a home dog um, over the last few years. Mm-hmm. The Raiders coming off the bye week, and then, of course, you know the news that we get this morning regarding you know Henry Ruggs. Uh, Raiders got to get right back at it and get ready for a football game against the Giants, and the Raiders a three-point favor as they travel back east, Chuck. Uh, is, are, have you guys ta- taken this game off the board or thought about taking it off the board with the Ruggs situation, or is this kind of just – um, you know, just letting this, this thing play out. No, we did take it off the board just, you know, shortly uh, when the news first came out. Um, but uh, if we put it back up now, I mean, of course, it's, you know, uh, a, a tragic situation that occurred and, um, you know, just still getting all the details. But, uh, um, you know, he had started to emerge as a, as a nice young deep threat for that offense, um, and uh, they won't have him this week. Yeah. So how do you feel about this Raiders team, you know, so far? I mean, they obviously have exceeded some expectations. 
uh, coming off the bye week now. And again, you know, the Giants looked pretty darn good last night. It seems like Daniel Jones, he's an improving quarterback. Uh, you know, Giants are still, you know, pretty banged up. But, you know, it's always treacherous when, when you get a team that's uh, traveling from the West Coast to the East Coast and playing that 10 o'clock in, in the morning game. But uh, what is your view on this game, Chuck? My guess is, CC, we're going to be huge Raider fans when, um, when this game kicks off on Sunday. Um, you know, they come off their bye week. They're hopeful to have uh, Waller and Jacobs a little healthier. They played really well those last two games since the coaching change. This is a giant team that just looks out of sync. I mean, um, Galladay, their big offseason signing, $40 million guaranteed, no touchdowns. Will they have Saquon Barkley back? Uh, Kadarius Toney got hurt again last night. Shepard got hurt. Um, they turn the ball over at a huge pace, make a lot of, you know, kind of dumb mistakes. Um, my guess is, you know, you're coming out of a bye. You're 5-2. and two, You're in first place in your division and second place overall in the AFC. It's a good team to play coming out of that. But it is the league still. Wouldn't surprise me if Sharp Action's on the Giants. But I think the public will back the Raiders pretty heavily in this game. All right. Uh, any other action that's uh, kind of piqued your interest a little bit here? Any, any early money coming down here for week number nine? I think the big one that really stands out to me is the Sunday night game between the Titans and Rams. You know, what a difference without Derrick Henry. Um, Rams would be a below a touchdown favorite if Henry was there. Uh, they're above that um, plateau now. I think it's a Titan team that, you know, more than any other team in the league, everything was built in that offense around one guy, and that was Derrick Henry. He is the best running back in the league, and he's a guy that you could use to wear teams down early or just pound it when they're worn down late. Uh, the passing game feeds off that. I think the success of Tannehill was because of Derrick Henry. They have to hope that Julio Jones can play and that you've had Jones and Brown on each side. But it is a much different offense without him. This is a team, T.C., that has beaten the Colts twice this year, beaten the Chiefs, beaten the Bills, um, and now have to go play the Rams without Derrick Henry. So they've had a tough stretch. They're still 6-2 and two and sit on top of the AFC right now, but that is a catastrophic loss for them to lose Henry for the rest of the season. Yeah, it's a Sunday night game. Rams seven and a half point choice over the Tennessee Titans. Probably the the biggest game. Uh, and it, you'll, I'm sure you'll get some maybe some good two way action. Maybe not with the Packers and the Chiefs. You got the Chiefs a one point favorite, but you know betters they love uh, you know remembering what their eyes last saw. And then you know the way Aaron Rodgers is playing and the way Patrick Mahomes is playing right now. I mean, you got the the State Farm game. I guess basically here it's virtually a pick'em. Yeah, I think in, you're right about what they saw last. They love the Packers, you know, in that game against the Cardinals, uh, getting points. I guess a lot will be, you know, if Devontae Adams is available here and does play. Um, but, yeah, I think the Packers, anytime you have Aaron Rodgers and they're getting points and they're an underdog and, you know, on the money line or straight, there's always value there for the betters. I'll be curious to see where this game ultimately ends up right. and if the Packers somehow do swing back to the favorite by the time this game kicks is one of the late games on Sunday afternoon. All right. Chuck will be having some fun Monday night. His Bears are visiting the Steelers. <laughs> there you go, Chuck. Are you going to be working that night? Are you going to just uh, uh, veer off to the bar on this one, wear your Bears jersey, or what? I don't know how much fun I'll be having, TC. I mean, they've really struggled of late, you know, losing three games. And, you know, uh, without Mac defensively, I thought they had their poorest game of the year against the 49ers. I didn't think Fields played bad. That 19-yard run for a touchdown is exactly the reason they traded up to get him. That offense is still out of sorts. Defense, they're not very good right now. 
you know, it's fun to see this kid kind of grow and play and mature. Justin Fields, I think he's going to be really good, but there's a lot of issues on the Bears team, and Steelers come off, you know, every time you think the Steelers are done and Big Ben is aged and they can't get anything done, I mean, they went into Cleveland and pulled off a huge upset, and they sit 4-2 and right now. They're they're ahead of Cleveland. They're a win away from, you know, being tied with Cincinnati, uh, and they let people know that they're not done. Defensively, they are really good. I can only imagine how many times that T.J. Watt will be in the Bears' backfield terrorizing Justin Fields on Monday night. Right. He is Chuck Esposito. He's over at Red Rock. Uh, go see him. Oversees all of the Station Casino uh, sportsbook properties there. Get the STN mobile app. It is so easy to use. Uh, just wager with the the uh, the app and with your phone, the palm of your hand there. Uh, still easy to use. And uh, you guys still offering the bonus over there, Chuck? It's up to a $100 bonus right now, TC, and uh, a STN cap with a $50 deposit for new sign-ups. So kind of a cool little gift there, and still up to a $100 bonus going on right now. Go get it. Go check it out. All right, my friend. Hey, really appreciate the time as always. Uh, be good, and hopefully we'll talk to you soon. We'll see you soon. All right, buddy. Thanks for having me on. Talk to you soon. There he is, Chuck Esposito Go over Bears! at Red Rock. Go Bears. You know. The Bears, they were so fired up. Their fans were fired up Sunday. Go Pack, go! Yeah, they're still remembering that loss in the pack. And then the Niners came in and took it to them. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Second half, Niners turned it up. Made Jimmy Garoppolo look like uh, Aaron Rodgers. Oh, boy. The Bears. You guys love your Bears, don't you? There you go. You, Ballpark Frank, Chuck, just love that uh, love that torture, don't you? <laughs> I want to thank Steve Sachs for joining us today, talking World Series Game 6. Looking forward to that. Tomorrow, are we going to be talking about the Braves being crowned champions or are we going to be previewing a game number 7 in Houston tomorrow? All right, look forward to that. I want to thank Steve Berline for joining us, talking about the NFL. And, of course, uh, again, following the breaking news story of Henry Ruggs the third involved in that automobile accident, the Raiders wide receiver uh, driving his Corvette, crashed into a Toyota uh, RAV4 earlier this morning, uh, causing the death of that driver. So Henry Ruggs currently booked in the Clark County Jail right now as we speak. And I want to thank Heidi Fang from the Las Vegas Review-Journal for joining us today. And uh, she reported live to us as Henry Ruggs was being escorted into the jail. If you miss any part of the show, go to the website at tcmartinshow.com. Our interview with Chris Bosio is up there right now. Check that out and everything else. Have a good one. We'll talk to you tomorrow at 2.